That's right. This is the Dirt Bike Channel podcast. You guys have come here to learn all things dirt bike related. I'm your host, Kyle Brotherson. I still don't have that bumper music, that cool, cool thing where it's going to be like me being introduced by somebody. I still don't have that. Um, but I am kind of excited today because I'm going to do something a little bit different. So um, this is going to be a podcast slash YouTube episode slash something that I've never really done before because um, I want to give you my initial thoughts on the 2020 Beta 200RR after four hours of riding it. I have almost no footage of me riding it um, because I haven't been taking my cameras with me. A lot of these uh, rides have just been with me out in the backcountry, out in the woods, just doing some stuff. So I don't have a ton of footage on it, but I have some thoughts on it. And I'm getting email on this a quite a bit, like almost daily. Um, like, hey, I'm so interested in, in you know hearing what you have to say about that um, Beta 200. So I, I was going to do just a YouTube video out in my shop, but I also wanted to do a podcast episode on it. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to meld the two together. So I don't know how long this is going to be, um, but I'll kind of keep track of it here on my recording stuff. Um, it's probably going to be longer than a typical YouTube video because those are anywhere from five to 10 minutes. Uh, the podcasts are longer. This is going to be more of a podcast length. Um, and this is not a full review. This is just a review, like an initial thoughts review after um, four hours of writing it. So it should be kind of an interesting little mix of the two. If you're, if you're just listening to this on uh, podcast land like YouTube or iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, that type of thing, um, you're not missing out a ton, but for the YouTube people, I am going to be rolling in some footage. So if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube or the uh, podcast yet, uh, go out there and, and, and subscribe that way. Um, I assume most of you know about the YouTube channel because that's the only way you'd pretty much know about this podcast. So let's start with the good on the beta uh, 2020 200RR. And there is a lot of good to talk about here. I think overall beta has done an awesome job with the bike. Um, beta is, and when you stop and think about what beta is doing um, with the number of bikes that they're making and the, and the budget that they have, it's pretty astounding because the bikes are pretty awesome, right? And they're making far less bikes than most of the other you know players out there. I mean, I, I don't know what their numbers are compared to like Gas Gas and Sherco, but if you compare beta to uh, Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, Kawasaki, KTM, Husqvarna, they're making a lot less bikes than those other manufacturers, and they're doing they're doing a fantastic job at it. You know, well, the product that they're putting out is very high quality and it's very good. That doesn't mean it's perfect. None of these bikes are, but if you if you just stop and think about the product that they're putting out, and and the price point on it, I mean, because th sometimes these bikes are within just a few hundred bucks of like you know, a Yamaha or a KTM or whatever, and they're not making as many bikes of them, which means their costs are probably higher. You know that when you're making more bikes and you're buying more things, the cost per item tends to come down. So the fact that the fact that beta has got that figured out where the, and maybe their margins are just super tight. I don't know. Or maybe these other, maybe these, these other manufacturers are just putting, padding their pockets with money, you know, funding the race teams. I don't know. Point is, they're doing a good job. Beta's doing a good job with what they have, and they're they've they're making awesome bikes overall. Let's start out. Um, let's start out with the motor. Let's talk a little bit about about the motor because for me, the motor is kind of the um, is is really a bright spot. We'll say for this bike. So it's the two hundred two stroke, right? And it's got um, it's got very good bottom end. It's got very good grunt in the technical stuff. It feels more punchy than a 200, and I prefer this bike over a 150cc. Um, so if I'm going to do the technical stuff, as far as the motor goes, 
Uh, this bike is very punchy, has a lot of low-end grunt, and especially when you're down in first gear because it's got a little bit lower first gear, which works really well for the technical stuff on this bike. Um, it's got more grunt than I would expect. Now, in second gear, you don't have you don't have enough grunt to pull some of the things that I'm trying to pull if, if it's technical stuff. So if the RPM, RPMs are low, uh, that's where the limitations of that 200 comes out is if you try to shift up into second gear, if it's pretty slow going. I run out of power and I, I, and sometimes I can't shift it quick enough down in the first gear. So I, I keep it in the, in the nastier stuff. I've been hanging on the first gear a little bit longer than I normally would on like a 250 or a 300, but it's a 200 CC bike and it feels, it feels bigger than it is. It acts bigger than it is. I mean, it's, um, it's more like a 150 than a 250, you know? Um, but it, it has some really good low end torque. And there are times when I'm going through little rock gardens and things, I kind of forget that I'm on a 200 and I, I feel like I'm on like a, a 250 or a 300 because the low end grunt is really, really good. Especially if you, if you can just cover the clutch a little bit. Um, and I think the one, I, I don't get the 150. I, I, I don't get kind of what that is for. Um, I think the 200 is, is better for my needs for, for the, for the more tricky technical stuff. Uh, situations that I go into. And the other thing is, is the top end. It screams, it screams on the top end. Once you get that thing onto the pipe, it has some stank to it. I, I don't know. I don't know, uh, exactly how to define stank, but it does have some stank and I have really enjoyed that. So the motor is awesome. And if you play with that power valve, like beta actually, um, encourages you to play around with the, the auxiliary spring power valve. You just, you just turn the dial on there. Um, and they have it easy to do with an Allen wrench, I believe. I can't remember what size it is, but it's not a square key. It's an Allen wrench that you're turning, and it does wake the bike up. I, I open mine up a little bit to take some preload off of that uh, power valve, which then allows the power valve to come open, you know, fully, fully open at a lower RPM. And I like the way that that, um, that, that wakes the bike up. It really has... It, you can really kind of tune the bike just with an Allen wrench there on the outside of the bike and you don't have to shut it off. I mean, I did shut mine off, but you can do it out there on the trail really easily. So the motor is, is a, is a really bright spot for me. You know what I mean? Um, the vibration, it, it does vibrate more than most of the, well, any of the other two strokes that I've been on recently. Um, but I only really know, it only really becomes an issue to me when I'm doing transitions. Like if I go, if I've got, you know, a transition on a dirt road for a mile or two in between like single track sections or something like that, that's where I notice it. And then it kind of starts to buzz my hands and, and my hands will kind of go numb just a little bit if I'm, you know, just staying on a dirt road for several minutes. As soon as I get back on a single track, whether it's technical single track or whoops, I forget about the vibration, you know, and that was pretty much my, um, that was pretty much how it was with all the other bikes that I had that weren't counterbalanced, you know, prior to 2017, uh, when KTM started to do that. Um, so it's not a huge issue. I mean, counterbalance, I, I, I want to ride the 2020 250 and 300, uh, RRs, the betas. And that's what I'm really, really looking forward to, to see how much of the vibration they've been able to take out of those things. Because while the vibration isn't a deal killer, um, it, it, it can be kind of annoying if you're, especially if you were going in longer transitions or if you're just doing dirt roads or fire roads or something like that, it might, it might bother you more than it bothers me because of what I've been doing on the bike mostly has been single track stuff or, or slower going stuff, believe it or not. 
uh, more of the hard enduro type stuff, it hasn't been the the um, the vibration hasn't been an issue. So let's go over to uh, suspension and chassis. So a um, lot of good to lot of good to talk about here. There is one. There is one. A couple of things. There's one thing that I'm really going to gripe on here um, that has become a bigger problem. But I'm going to start. I'm going to start out with the positive things. So suspension. These. This is uh, open cartridge um, forks. Um, I believe that the Saks forks on this bike. Um, and these open cartridge forks are better than the ones that I rode on the 2017 Beta 300RR. It is not as good. I don't feel like I don't jive with them as much as I did the 2019 Beta forks on that 2019 Beta 300 or 390RR, that four-stroke. That had a closed cartridge uh, fork on it, Saks fork, and those were awesome, like really awesome. These forks are an open cartridge fork, and they're good. I wouldn't say that they're awesome. They're they're more predictable than what I had on the on the 2017 Beta 300 RR. They're more predictable. I think they have better bump compliance. I think that they they're picking up the chatter a little bit more, and I don't think they're quite as harsh. Um, you know, and I've done a mix of faster stuff and slower stuff, and and it's a good fork. I, I, it's a good fork. Uh, it's it's on line with a lot of the other forks out there. Um, and the biggest thing for me is that it's is it's predictable. I haven't. I haven't had a situation yet. Well, I've had a couple little things, but I would say overall, I think it's a pretty predict predictable fork, and I'm not complaining about that. Um, I had to I had to you know bounce around a little bit with clickers to find a setting that I liked for me, but I think it's good. I think that the fork is good, and <clears throat> the rear suspension is totally fine. I with that shock, I ended up kind of bouncing around a little bit, taking some. Uh, taking a couple clicks here, adding a couple clicks there, and I think I've got it in a place where I'm pretty happy with it. So I'm, I think the suspension is is good and it feels balanced. Um, one thing that I do notice though is when I if I come into a corner really hard, because the bike is shorter and it seems like it's just more compact. When I come into a corner hard and I slide forward on the seat, you know, to get weight up on the tank, I tend to miss the rear brake. I don't know if that's just. Uh, because the the cockpit is so the seat is down so low or what but when i when i come into a corner drop down and try to shift my weight forward i end up my foot kind of goes too far forward and i miss the rear brake it's just i don't know that that's maybe just a me thing um it feels when when i'm on the move the bike feels really agile okay so if you're going if you're going you know 10 miles an hour, 15, up to 50 miles an hour, the bike feels um, really agile. Like it, it, want, it can turn quickly. It feels light. It feels nimble. We talked about the weight on the, I did a video on the, on the weight of the bike. It isn't a super light bike, um, but it doesn't feel heavy when, when you're riding it. So I'm not, I'm not sitting there. I'm not going to bash the weight at all because you don't feel that weight when you're riding it, you know? So that's good. Here's, um, here's something that is my biggest complaint on the bike. Okay. So I'm, I don't know, somewhere around 12 minutes into this and I want to, I want, there is something that is a major problem for me. I hate the limited mobility of the handlebars. Okay. So you guys are like, well, just remove the steering stops. <laughs> Here's the problem. The radiators on this bike sit up very high. Okay. In the frame. And what that means is that you hit them with the forks really quick. 
Okay, so they've got the, they've got the steering stops down there on the frame, and they're kind of adjusted out. And when the bike comes, at least the, my bike that I had, the bike that it was loaned to me from Beta, they had that adjusted. So I think that the the handlebars were coming; they were keeping the the forks about three sixteenths of an inch away from the forks. And you basically your turning radius was like a mile. And I know this because I do a lot of full lock turns. Like I turn the bars in my driveway and every time I go out with every bike, I do a lot of full lock turns where I turn the bar all the way in, um, you know, against the stops. And then I will, I'll force myself to do a, a slow turn like that. And obviously if you get on a trials bike, the trials bike can turn so far. It's incredible. But I, t- I've been taking the steering stops out of all of my other bikes to get them to turn as far as they possibly can because it helps on when you're doing nasty stuff, hard enduro stuff, when you're in really technical stuff, you need to be able to turn those bars all the way, especially if you're on switchbacks or something like that, or just on nasty, rocky hills, those types of things. Those are the places that you need to be able to turn the bars a lot. And when you're, when you're trying to balance without moving at all, you need to be able to turn the bars far. You can't do that on this bike. I took the, I took the stock bolts out and I put some different bolts in there to allow um, the handlebars to turn and come in contact with the radiators. And even when, even now where I've got them adjusted, where the, where you can turn the bars enough that the forks actually come in contact with the radiators, it's still a far, it's a far bigger, um, turning radius than it is on any of the other bikes that I have. And that is a major problem for me. It wasn't and, and I don't know if the 2017 300RR was like this uh, because I wasn't riding as much technical stuff. I wasn't doing as much trials type or nasty type riding where I'm doing balancing and I'm doing pivot, you know, pivot turns. I wasn't doing as much. The, the, my riding has gotten a little bit more extreme and you don't always get to see it on the YouTube channel because honestly, the, if you're right, some of the stuff that you ride that's super nasty or whatever, it may not be like you know, some sanctioned trail. And so it doesn't show up on YouTube. Um, and then a lot of the other time too, it's like, my, I will be breathing like crazy. All you would hear is me just breathing like my guts out. And so it's not a super fun thing to put on YouTube. But the point is I'm riding more and more of this stuff. And the last couple times I've been out on the bike, I just focused on hard enduro stuff. If, you, if you're watching, I have bashed the radiators. <laughs> like I've broken the rear fender. The rear fender is broken. The, the tail light is broken off and the friend is in the fender, rear fender is snapped because I'm riding this bike the way it's intended to be right. People are asking me to put it through its paces. I've got the pipe dented. I've got the, I've got the linkage beat up on the bottom and I've got the, the radiator smashed. It's, it's not leaking, but the radiator is smashed all the way in on that left side. I'm putting this bike through hard enduro stuff. I'm riding this bike in places that I wouldn't that I wouldn't go with that beta 390 because the beta 390 is a four stroke and it, that's not where it shines. But this bike, if it's going, if it's going to be good, I have to be able to take this in hard enduro stuff. And, and so I have been, and so I'm putting it through its paces and the not being able to turn those bars limits that one of the times that I tipped the bike over, it was because um, or two of the times that I tipped the bike over, it's because I'm on a side hill and I'm trying to like slam the bars in and turn it and get it to go down. And I couldn't get it to turn fast enough. And so I tipped down into the hill. Um, you know, 
like bent bent a lever, had to go and swap my levers out. Um, even though I've got my levers so they can so they can pivot, this thing it just slammed down, went all the way, it sunk down into the dirt, bent the lever around. So I put a new lever on it, and then I put handguards on it because they don't give you handguards. But the thing about switch, you know, turning the bike tight, it severely limits you if when you can't turn the turn the turn the bike because the radiators are coming in contact with the forks are coming in contact with the radiators. It's bad. And it's the worst turning radius I've had on a bike since I started paying attention to it. So enough of that. Uh, the front brakes, they're Nissan brakes and they're a little bit grabby. Um, I had this problem with the 2017 beta 300 RR. I, for whatever reason, I did not have it with the, with the 2019 beta 390 RR. And I don't know if it's a different piston or a different master cylinder that they put on the two strokes. I can't put my finger on it. Um, it could just possibly be the fact that I'm riding the two strokes in nastier terrain than I did in the four strokes. And so that grabby sensation on, and it, I don't know, it could also be, it, it might be as simple as a different fork, open cartridge versus closed cartridge. I don't know, but I do feel like the front brake is a little bit more grabby and it, it'll do funny things with my front wheel. Um, yeah, so I can't quite put my finger on that, but it isn't a huge it isn't a huge thing. Um, but I just thought I would mention it because it, it it was interesting to me because I didn't seem to have any problem on the Nissan brakes on the Beta three ninety, but on this one, I'm not as comfortable with the front brake. I don't feel I feel like it it's just uh, you're kind of you're kind of you're applying front brake and and you don't have a you don't have quite enough, so you give it just and I'm talking one finger. I'm using one finger, so I give it just a little bit more. And there's kind of like this little threshold there where it then just starts to instantly just grab, you know, instead of giving me just a little bit more braking power, it's a lot more braking power and then it grabs. Um, so not quite sure on that. The pipe, the pipe on this bike is tucked up really nicely. Beta's done a good job with that. It, it kind of curves up and a lot of the, a lot of the 150s or 200s, they have a smaller pipe and so they'll tuck them up more, you know, a little bit higher. And this one tucks up really nice, but I still have been hitting it on the gooseneck. That's where I've been hitting this thing because I've been dropping down off of rock ledges, coming up over rock ledges, and and one time ghost riding the bike up a massive rock ledge. <laughs> but I'm still I'm still uh, being able to dent it, but I don't think it's going to be a major issue. Uh, the linkage on these bikes is tucked up a little bit higher than on some of the Japanese bikes, and and on like like if you compare the linkage to like a uh, like a Honda or a Yamaha, or a, KT, a KTM, or a Husky, the linkage is tucked up better than a lot of those bikes. So that's a good thing. But I'm still hitting it on things. And so they really, you need some you need something to cover that linkage. The skid plate that you get from stock does not cover it at all. And so if you're going to be doing hard enduro stuff, going through boulder fields, um, those types of things, you're probably going to, you're going to need to have something to cover the linkage because I'm, I'm hitting it. I'm not, uh, not going to lie there. Plastics on the bike. Um, I did. I did. I talked to you. I, I said I broke the tail light. So when when the when bikes have like the tail piece or the tail light piece on these fenders, there's like that big brittle black piece back there that houses the tail light. And whenever I've got those, as soon as I wheelie one over, I snap. I snap things. I break things off. So I'm not a super fan of that. Uh, the plastic, even the white plastic I'm on top, does seem a little bit brittle. I don't break the fenders when I'm do, when I'm wheeling over or doing something like that on any of my other bikes that don't have tail lights, and so it just seems like the bikes that have tail lights you end up snapping those. Um, 
I don't love that. Um, we talked about the radiator. I smashed that pretty good. I probably have run in some stuff on the YouTube version of this, run in some images of that uh, where I've smashed the, the, the radiator in because, well, it did hit really hard a couple times, but actually just one time it hit really hard. But the stock radiator guards are kind of what you got on the older 2014, 15, 2016 KTM bikes, which is just a really flimsy mud guard is all that really is. It doesn't offer any bracing protection at all. And so that is, that's been a little bit of a problem um, right now because my, radi- my radiator is now bent enough that, that that guard doesn't even fit properly. And <laughs> sorry, but it, it didn't offer any bracing. So if you're going to take this bike into hard enduro stuff, you're definitely going to need a radiator brace, like something from Bulletproof Designs or, um, or Flow Motorsports or something like that. Because that, if I would have had a radiator brace on there like I've, got on, like I've had on some of the other bikes in the past, this radiator wouldn't be bent like, like it is. I haven't needed that on some of the other orange bikes more recently uh, because of a change in the way they designed them and then the radiator guard on some of those bikes, even though it's a plastic guard, it offers more bracing and more protection than, than the ones that they're putting on this beta. The one here on the beta doesn't offer any protection. Um, so that is, those are my thoughts after four hours. Again, this is not a full review. I will do a full wrap up review and I'll have much more footage of me riding the bike. Um, I just don't have a whole lot because my pinky was broken and today marks, uh, my six week mark past that. So it still hurts, but I've been riding obviously for the last two weeks. I've been slowly building my grip strength back up and riding the bike, um, and getting more and more, um, nastier and nastier terrain each time. Um, and, and just building, building up my endurance and, and putting the bike through its paces and stuff. So those are my thoughts after the first four hours. I think it's a great bike. Um, if we could figure out, and I, and I don't know how you do this. So the biggest problem with the bike is the mobility of the handle, <coughs> excuse me, the mobility of those handlebars radiator set up so high they can't turn your bars very far. Um, for me, that's uh, that's a real downer. The rest of the bike is awesome. The 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 suspension, chassis, the motor. The motor is really awesome. You know, so a lot of good on this thing. And so if you're not doing this really slow going stuff, where you might be at a complete stop on a side hill and then crank the bars all the way over and and do like a switchback or something, maybe it's not going to be an issue to you. If you're not going through boulder fields where you need to Sometimes you need to slam the bar all the way over to keep your, and then, you know, dump the clutch to go that way to keep from tipping over. Maybe it's not going to be an issue to you. Um, you know, so it, it, this, this doesn't mean that the bike isn't good because the bike still is good. And it doesn't mean that it won't be good for whatever riding you're doing. It just for right now, the riding that I'm doing, it's limiting that, uh, the, the travel there of the handlebars, something that I wouldn't maybe have noticed two or three years ago with the riding with the style of riding that I was doing. So that's, uh, that's what I have for you guys today. If you like these videos, please remember to, um, share. Um, also subscribe to the channel. If you're watching this on YouTube, you got to subscribe to that. If you're if you're listening to this on, uh, iTunes, Google play stitcher, please leave a rating. Please give us a review over there. And, uh, also I've got a dirt bike sweep six that is happening right now with a different dirt bike brand, right? <laughs> I'm giving away two KTM. So I'm giving away 
the 2020 KTM 300XC TPI, and I'm giving away my 2019 KTM 250XC. All you have to do to get entered to win these bikes is go over go over to dirtbikechannel.com right now. It's the sweepstakes is from October 15th, 2019 to December 15th, 2019, and uh, you can get entered to win those bikes. And there's going to be eight other people that are going to win $800 gift cards. I am donating all of that stuff. Um, this is one of ways that, one of the ways that I support my family is by selling swag, selling gear. Um, and that is what I have for you guys. If you have other suggestions for podcasts, you can email me, kyle at dirtbikechannel.com. Um, uh, you can also hit me up on social media. I don't check messages as often on social media as I do my email. I guess 15 years in corporate America uh, and enterprise sales really had me cued in to like checking my email. Um, so I check my email more than I check my social media messages. So that's the best way to get a hold of me is over uh, at Kyle at dirtbikechannel.com on email. So that's the beta 2020 200RR initial thought, initial thoughts at four hours. I'll have a much, I'll have a, a more in-depth review and talk about more aspects of the bike once we get, uh, between 20 and 30 hours on it. So anyway, that is it guys. Thanks so much. And, uh, we'll catch you on the flip side, right? <laughs>